a fixed mindset is obviously that it's like, hey, I am where I am. It is what it is. You know, it's other people's fault. I can't really change this. And most people, unfortunately, stay in that space. And I think it's because it's more comfortable. But when you take the ownership responsibility that, hey, I am where I am in my life because of my decisions and where I am tomorrow is 100% in my control. It's really empowering. You know, Tony Robbins says, you know, life happens for us, not to us. Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth while gaining total freedom from your business or job. That's what lifestyle investing is all about. I'm your host, Justin Donald, and in less than two years, my investments drove enough passive income for both my wife and me to quit our jobs. And now I want to show you how to do the same. I want to teach you how to create wealth without creating a job. You'll learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over eight figures all before the age of 40. If you want to learn all about low-risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. The difference between the people who want financial freedom and those that achieve it is commitment. If you can identify specific goals, break them into manageable steps, and take action, there's no reason you can't achieve financial freedom too. Dave Allred, managing partner of Axia Partners, is a perfect example of how living with intention can launch you forward in business and life. Dave started as a door-to-door sales rep for a security company and worked his way up to the regional vice president of sales. While he had built an incredible career, more than anything, he wanted to achieve financial freedom and knew real estate was the vehicle to get him there. By the time he was 30, Dave had decided to turn his dream into a reality. Over the next 10 years, he built an investment portfolio of more than a 1,000 residential units syndicated more than a dozen deals, and even started a real estate fund. In this episode, you'll learn how Dave accomplished it all and created enough passive income to live a life by design. He shares the biggest lessons he's learned and why having purpose and intentionality behind your financial goals is the key to succeeding. One more thing before we get to today's interview. Dave has a special gift for Lifestyle Investor Podcast listeners. He's giving away his lifestyle design template, which covers the 10 different areas he is committed to being great at in life. Use the template as a guide to evaluate and plan your own commitments so you can achieve your biggest goals in 2022 and beyond. To get access to this gift, visit justindonald.com forward slash 62. Thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with Dave Allred. All right, Dave, so good to have you on the show. I'm glad you could make it. We've been talking about this for a little while, and it's always fun when you have mutual friends in common. And I kind of have this rule that is I kind of pay attention to a series of three. If I get a recommendation from three different people, totally independent, to me, I kind of take that as a sign I should probably move forward. And you just had three, actually more than three, but at least three 
close friends that gave glowing endorsements of you. And I've had so much fun getting to know you here these last few months. So welcome to the show. Thanks for joining. Justin, thanks for having me, man. I'm so excited for this podcast. I think you and I have so much in common and this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, there's no doubt. When I look at your life, I mean, you and I have talked offline a bunch. So like, I know so many similarities that we have, not just in background and in growing up in a similar fashion, but also just mantras that we live life by and really having this focus on lifestyle and freedom and investing and personal development and mindset. I mean, we're going to tackle so much of this, but it's always fun when I can have someone on the show that is just in lockstep with me on that. And so you're very much that way. But I'd love to just kind of go back in time here because there are unique things that happen to all of us early on in life that kind of help create and steer and define who we are. And you and I had a start in door-to-door sales, which I think can really grow you up fast, can really help you build some character, can really get you used to the word no, and hopefully not take it personally anymore. So I'd love to hear your story. Yeah. So backing up, um, I grew up in a small town called Manti, Utah. It's really small. It's about 2,000 people. And uh, you know, grew up in a, a very low-income, blue-collar home. Uh, we never had a lot to speak of in terms of quality of life or you know discretionary spending or anything like that. Uh, in fact, I don't think we ever. I don't remember one any conversations about investing or you know finances or business per se. But you know, I always I knew I wanted more in my life, and I remember as a teenager, I made a commitment that I was going to do whatever it took to up level my life and to and to win. And you know, I don't know exactly. I'm trying to pinpoint where exactly I got that, that commitment. Um, so I have four kids myself and I want to be able to instill that in my children as well. But, you know, I'm really grateful for early on in my life, just having that resolute commitment that, hey, I'm going to do whatever it takes and to take a lot of tenacity and and really just, you know, a lot of work ethic and grind and grit to, 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 to get after it. And so it's been a fun journey. And uh, I know we only have about an hour here, so I'll try to keep a high level, but there's a lot to talk about. You know, so then I was going to college and... Uh, there's an opportunity to to go out and, and, and go door to door selling security systems in Chicago, and they had a recruiting booth set up and had you know donuts. It's out on the on the table, so I walked over, grabbed a donut, and they're like, "Hey, tonight we're going to have a recruiting meeting at this pizza place, and there's free pizza." Right? I'm a college student. I'm like, "Hey, free pizza! I got a donut already. I'm winning." And so <laughs> I jumped over this meeting and and uh, got sold on the opportunity, and I knew it was going to be hard. I never wanted to be a door-to-door sales guy, right? And there's definitely not anything sexy or glamorous about that that type of a job. But I knew there was an earning opportunity and I knew it, it, I would learn and I would grow from doing something really hard. And so I jumped into it. I uh, went out to Chicago my first year. And frankly, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, man. The first week I sold one account, ended up being a, a, a sub credit score. I just didn't know what I was doing. And so... They had to come and take out the security system later on, charge me back the $200 commission that I received on the deal. And then the first month was really rough. And you know, about midway through the summer, um, I was struggling and I, I thought about quitting probably every day, actually, honestly, every day, multiple times. <laughs> and, and I'd always been pretty successful at things when I put my mind to it. And there's just so much failure, man. And, and, and most of the team had quit. And um, but around that time, one of the owners of the company came out 
and gave a training on how we could become sales leaders or sales managers the next year if we sold 100 accounts. And at that point, something switched for me. And you know, the the, the light switch flipped on. It's like, hey, this could become a real opportunity, a career. I could help other people. I could build something with longevity. And I, you know, I kind of doubled down, put my head down, went to work, and ended up selling 120 accounts. And it was a successful summer. You know, I made $31,000, which for me that time was incredible. I think it was more than you know, my parents had ever made. And it was incredible for me. And I, I came back to Snow College and I, I bought an Isuzu Rodeo, you know, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever with the chrome rim package on it. And, uh, you know, I was just balling, you know, down there uh, with my Isuzu Rodeo. But I uh, came back next year and, and managed the team or top, top, you know, top first year team in the company. And, and then went on to be a regional manager and regional vice president for eight years. And, and then, uh, you know, managed 121 sales teams, thousands of sales reps across the country in 42 states. And that company went public for multi-billion valuation. And I had an opportunity to jump over with sister company, Vivint Solar, and go help run the California market. Did that for a few years, loved it. Also multi-billion dollar exit for that company. Um, but the whole time I was investing in real estate as a side hustle. And I, you know, I just grew that portfolio and I really became passionate about the real estate space. And so in 2017, about four years ago, I retired from door sales and went full-time into real estate. That's awesome. Well, I mean, what an incredible story. By the way, side note, the first car I ever learned to drive on was an Isuzu Trooper. That's what my mom <laughs> had at the time. And I can assure you, for anyone that never did this, learning to drive on a stick shift is not as easy <laughs> as learning to drive on an automatic. So that's my experience with Isuzu. We had that car for a long time. It was an awesome vehicle. So kind of cool, kind of cool, yeah. kind of cool. <laughs> but we'll go with cool. I like it. <laughs> You know, when I think about what you went through in the door-to-door sales, like I know what it was like for me. You know, I sold newspaper subscriptions door-to-door. Like you, I was horrible. I mean, I had an abysmal like first start. I mean, I couldn't sell anything to save my life and I took no personally. And it was a really rough start for me. But I noticed that a lot of people quit around me. Like the retention in door-to-door sales is not great. But it was interesting for you. It's like, all you needed was a bigger picture. You needed a vision for something more. It wasn't like, hey, you just need to get a sale. It was, hey, think about a hundred sales and what that looks like. And here's how you'd be rewarded. It's almost like you need the challenge. Like you're having your own challenges, but maybe the challenge isn't big enough. But I'm curious what the turnover is for something like the door-to-door security with Vivint because I know a lot of people quit that. And to be able to make it through, not just successfully, but then to be able to make it to the next level, you're a small percentage there. Yeah, you know, it, it depends a lot on the companies and whatnot. But I would say on average, it's, you know, it's at least a 50% attrition year one, right? And then once you come back as an experienced sales rep, then it's obviously a lot higher. But it's a lot of turnover. It really is, you know, and it's a, you know, but I think most guys go into understanding it's going to be hard and, you know, understanding that it's not going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of rejection, a lot of failure. And, you know, I'll say this, Justin, I, I'm actually so grateful that I did that job. Uh, you know, I learned so much about, you know, really becoming comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think that alone is such a valuable skill set. Nowadays, people want immediate gratification, right? So that idea of delayed gratification, where you have to pay the price, they call it law of the harvest. And you don't see that reward until way down the road. You know, that's something I'm trying to instill in my children right now as well. It's like, you know, we live in an age where people want it now. They want the dopamine hit. They want the immediate results. But just delayed gratification is by itself is such a powerful tool. Um, but looking back at that, you know, 
I'm so grateful. You know, you learn so much from that, man. You learn leadership, salesmanship, which by the way, salesmanship, I believe is the most profitable, valuable skill in business, you know, followed closely by leadership, the ability to influence others and lead and uh, create change. But personal development, you know, I really learned to love and embrace personal development through the door-to-door sales career. And, you know, it teaches you psychology and time management, discipline and interpersonal communication, all these soft skills that are so valuable in today's market. Um, but, you know, just one last thought there is it's fun to look back, though, at my, at my life and my career and like, what if I would have quit midsummer, right? And made my, I probably, I probably made like five grand at that point midsummer, right? Like, you know, and I would have left with my tail between my, my, my legs and like, did I quit, you know, on the, on this? And so you know, I'm really grateful that I was able to at least have the, you know, the, the, the mental fortitude to get through that and not quit. So for any of your listeners listening, I mean, you know, it's a, you know, it's interesting. I, I feel like in life where we really get to is just an accumulation of the decision we made along the way. And it's fun to look back and see like the decision matrix of why did I make that decision and what would have, how would that have altered my life trajectory if I wouldn't have gone in this, in this direction? Yeah. You know, it reminds me of my experience when I worked with Cutco and I really just didn't apply myself at the beginning. You know, I had other things I was doing. I was having fun. I was making enough to get by. And by the way, I made enough to like make more than my friends, but that also isn't saying a lot when you have the ability to be good in like a sales position and you're just not really working that hard. I just desired too much to have fun and go hang out all the time. And so I quit my job and I was like, all right, I'm done with knives and I'm going to go do something else. And I, this was my second summer. I was pretty lazy and I didn't want to put in the work. And the interesting thing is I went and I worked another job and it was horrible. I worked at a car wash and that car wash, like it rained the first day and then the second, I mean, literally like I couldn't work because no one was coming, right? So, and you make mostly tips. And I was like, what am I thinking? What am I even doing? And so I went back to this job that I had been super lazy at with Cutco. I had made like virtually no money the whole summer. And then in the last five weeks of the summer, I was like, why don't I just go all out, see what happens? And really it was going all out for two weeks. And then that went really well. I ended up making nine grand in two weeks as a college kid. And then I, you know, finished up really strong. And I ended up earning $30,000 that summer in those five weeks. And I was like, holy cow, where did this come from? Why have I been so lazy? And it was that. It was like this decision to just do it. It really had less to do with the skills because you can pick those up over time. And it was more like having the mental discipline to just play the numbers game and to make the calls, do the appointments, just get the law of numbers to be on your side. If you have enough opportunity to close people, you're going to close people with at least a decent closing script, right? Yeah. And so it's cool seeing you have that and seeing the shift, but it wasn't a skill set shift as much as it was a mental shift, in my opinion. That's what it sounds like to me. And I may be projecting because for me, that's exactly what it was. And then once I got good at it, it was like, ooh, I just want to get better now at the skill set stuff, right? Yeah. Because you want to do the things that you're good at. I would say mindsets. Every I mean, The one thing I've learned, I'm 40 years old now, is 
mindset's everything. I mean, it really is. You know, our limiting belief systems are so powerful. And we're just not aware of them. We all have these blind spots and these stories we tell ourselves. You know, when I was 20, I was proud of what I was doing. But when I was 30, I looked back at being 20. I was like, man, I was playing so small. You know, when I was 30, I was managing all these teams and, 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 and having the success. And I was really proud of it. But now at 40, looking back, I'm like, man, I was playing small. I could have been doing so much more. You know, and I hope that when I'm 50, looking back at 40, I say, hey, man, Dave, you could have been doing a lot more. You know, and I think that mindset, that six inches of real estate between your ears is the most valuable real estate. And anything we can do to improve that, you know, whether that's masterminds or coaching or podcasts or, you know, audible books, whatever it is, it's just, you know, it, you know, those are technicalities. I think really what it comes down to, at least for me, is just always maintaining curiosity. And no matter how much success you've had, always maintaining, you know, a commitment to being a lifelong student. And that requires being coachable. And honestly, it, it takes checking your ego at the door. You know, one of my guiding principles in my personal life is to always operate with humble confidence. And I like that expression, humble confidence, because you're humble enough to learn and be coachable, you know, and, and have curiosity. But at the same time, you're confident enough to be able to be bold and aggressive and to make moves when you need to make those moves. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I love even just the conversation around curiosity, because as long as you're curious, you're willing to learn. But the moment you cut that off, then you're cutting off your potential. And I run into a lot of people that think that they know it all. And I just... I hope to never be that person. I think my natural default is curiosity anyway. I don't have to work hard at that because I just am, for whatever reason, compelled to learn anything and everything about what all the world has to offer. But the moment you've arrived, that is a detriment to you and everyone around you. As a question, so when we talk about curiosity and being teachable and coachable and whatnot, to me, that all comes down to having a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, right? And so, you know, call it abundance mentality versus a scarcity mentality, but, you know, a growth mind. So a fixed mindset is obviously that it's like, Hey, I am where I am. It is what it is. I am where I am in my life. You know, it's other people's fault. I can't really change this. It is what it is. And most people, unfortunately, stay in that space. And I think it's because it's more comfortable, right? But when you take the ownership or responsibility that, Hey, I am where I am in my life because of my decisions. And where I am tomorrow is 100% in my control. I'm in the driver's seat here. It's really empowering. You know, Tony Robbins says, you know, life happens for us, not to us. I've loved that. That that mind shift right there is so powerful. And so I think a growth mindset is so important. You know, where we are today is is not indicative of our potential. Uh, our potential is really our future is based on our decisions today. And so it's such a powerful concept, man. There's one thing I'd probably want to express to you know, people are trying to up level. It's it's really that growth mindset because then the, the the natural effect is curiosity. It is wanting to be around other successful people. It's wanting to learn from other people, and it's really striving to up level. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head without a doubt. And by the way, I'm a huge Tony Robbins proponent and fan. I've been to every program that he's ever created, and I'm just thrilled with the knowledge that I've been able to glean from him. I'm real curious talking about like having arrived, what did it feel like having this company that you were in early on that you had stock in go public and all of a sudden the stock becomes, you know, you had very little compared to the total amount once it's a public company. Obviously, there's some sort of a hold. You probably can't sell it for like six months or something. That's generally par for the course. But 
What was that like when that turned into a reality for you? It was incredible. It was fun to see it finally pay off after all those years, right? I mean, the, you know, the commissions, the income, and really the relationships along the way were so valuable. But then to be able to actually earn equity in the company, and uh, I'll keep this kind of high level, but you know, in 2012, we had Goldman Sachs as our partner. They exited and were replaced by Blackstone. And so at that point, we had a pretty you know, significant liquidity event and we were paid out. I elected to actually roll that forward in you know, class A shares with Blackstone, our new equity partner, and uh, which was a big gamble on my part. But I believed in the company. I believed in where we were headed to. And we had a really strong culture. And so um, in hindsight, that was such a smart play there because it ended up, you know, went public. And so in 2000 and just last year, you know, that basically long story, it was about a 12x on on that uh, on the return on that uh, reinvestment. And so, you know, it was, it was a ballsy move for sure. And, uh, you know, it's kind of kept it on play. But uh, it was fun, man. It was, it, was, it was pretty incredible to be able to see that, you know, when the company started out, it was a little tiny office space on State Street with three offices and it's become a, a juggernaut multi-billion dollar company. And really the amount of value that's created for tens of thousands of people has been such an incredible experience to, to watch and, and learn from that. Hey, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to take a quick minute to tell you about my online course. As a listener, you probably know my story. In under two years, I had multiplied my net worth to over eight figures and my investments were generating enough passive income for my wife and me to quit our jobs. Since launching the Lifestyle Investor book and podcast, I've had a lot of people reaching out asking how I was able to accomplish this in such a short period of time and how they can start investing just like I do. My methods are unconventional, but I've always wanted to share my strategies and help as many people as possible accomplish financial freedom. And while the podcast is loaded with lots of alternative investment advice from both myself and my guests, It's not intended to be a comprehensive system that walks you through my step-by-step process. That's why I decided to create the Lifestyle Investor course, a roadmap for anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of lifestyle investing. Anyone can use my system, no matter what level they're at in their investing career. So if you want all my strategies for creating passive income and building wealth conveniently packaged up into a simple to follow course, visit justindonald.com forward slash course for all the details. Now let's get back to the show. That's awesome. It's cool that you had that experience. And here's the thing with that is first and foremost, whenever people ask me, hey, Justin, what should I do here? Should I keep some equity in? My goal is to always take profits as soon as you can. So you're actually taking money off the table and that you're replenishing your investment dollars. But I also recommend to always keep some equity, keep some upside. And then my advice when it comes to private equity is these guys are no dummies. So if they want to buy a piece of your company, they're doing it because they can see a massive return and they don't buy companies that are not cash flow positive trending really well. And so I've had a number of people over the years that I have coached and encouraged that when they've had the opportunity to exit, not to take all their money, to leave at least some of it for the upside. And without fail, the percentage of times that it pays off is such a high percentage 
because these companies know what they're doing. They've got the best analysts. They've got teams of people that are just great. You don't bet against Blackstone, right? Or in your case, was it BlackRock? Blackstone, Goldman Sachs, and then so it was Blackstone. So you don't bet it against Blackstone. In fact, I read Stephen Schwartzman's book, Whatever It Takes, which is a great read. He's an incredible guy. The irony actually is that the company, so Blackstone is the largest alternative asset manager. And then BlackRock is the largest asset manager. So BlackRock actually came from Blackstone. And so just through a little disagreement between those two heads that you know founded the company, they couldn't kind of wrap their minds around something. Otherwise, that could have been an even greater powerhouse. But two of the largest companies in the US kind of started under the same roof. And uh, I think that that's an interesting thing. And I just, I don't bet against the smart money. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, and to clarify, I did take some chips off the table, just re, re, you know, reinvested a lot of it. But for me personally, I'm a real estate guy. Like I, I learned a long time ago, when I started to make some money, I asked my CPA, I said, hey, you know, what are your wealthy clients doing with their, their capital? And he said, they all either own businesses or real estate or both. And that made sense to me. Like, okay, you know, I'm going to figure out this real estate game. So that was a long time ago. Um, it was 2006. And so I literally went and bought a book, you know, investing in real estate for dummies, like those black and yellow books. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what it is. I've read that one. Google, like, you know, realtor, uh, realtor, founder, realtor. Um, later found out it was our first time ever doing a transaction. I forgot to ask that question, like what your experience is, right? We had the closing table closed on a fourplex. And, uh, you know, I signed everything and church is over. It's like, Hey Dave, thank you for my, my first deal. <laughs> like, wait, hope <laughs> I never disclose that one. But, uh, and actually I learned so many lessons from that first real estate deal. I'm grateful for it in hindsight, but you know, it was a fourplex. I actually found out seven months later that it was actually a zone as a duplex because there's two mother-in-law apartments. They got mad at each other, some dispute called the city. So the city sent me a letter saying I had to, had to basically evict two of the streams of income to went to a duplex you know, and then uh, 2008, 2009 hit, lost $60,000 on the disposition of the asset. Literally learned every lesson possibly on that one. So wow. grateful for that early on in my career. Um, you know, and from there, I just uh, scaled the business with, uh, you know, a lot of fourplexes. I, I ended up about 24 uh, fourplexes over the years. And, you know, one of my goals in my own personal life is to always be doing bigger deals than yesterday. It's a kind of a motto. And so, you know, in my drawer sale industry, it was, you know, a rep, then a manager, then a regional and a VP. You know, my real estate portfolio was townhomes, condos, a fourplex, well, the duplex really, but, and then multiple fourplexes and then a 12plex and then, you know, larger multifamily and then jumping into syndications where you pull money together to do bigger deals and, you know, done over a dozen syndications and really enjoyed that creating value for other people, especially for a lot of the guys in the, you know, door to door space that, you know, want passive income. They make great active income, but they really need passive income and the tax benefits of real estate. And so being able to remove those barrier of entries and create value for my friends and have, you know, several hundred of cap, several hundred capital partners now I'm able to create value for has been really, really fun, you know? And, and, and so then from the syndications, the next level has been, you know, the real estate fund. I've always wanted to run my own fund. And so we launched that back in uh, February earlier this year. And that's been awesome. Such a fun experience. Oversubscribed quickly and about to launch fund number two here shortly. But if I could just, I just want to share one thing, kind of going back a little bit. We talked about kind of the early start here. You know, I think that one of the things that I'm really grateful for in my life is just having intention, is having clarity and intentionality and in, in how I operate. I think most people don't really have that they lack 
clarity and intentionality. It's a big problem right now. And so when I was a, a you know regional manager and I'd travel around to these teams, I would sit down and do what I call one-on-one performance interviews. And I'd ask these guys, hey man, you know, why are you here? What's your holy cause? What are your goals? What are you fighting for? You know, how can I help you? And I realized that most people don't have, they don't really know. I mean, they can give you a one quick knee-jerk reaction, right? I want a new car. I want a new house. I want to be rich. I want whatever. I want to be successful. But you dive in a layer deeper and you're like, okay, what does that actually mean? Like be specific. And it gets so ambiguous and fuzzy so fast. And so I realized that, you know, if we're going to be doing such a hard job, I wanted to know exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. And then also as a leader, I wanted to be able to inspire and, and motivate my people better. And so I created this system called Lifestyle Design. And uh, it's about, I want to say 15 years ago, maybe 13 years ago. And it started out as a simple spreadsheet. And it was, you know, what do I really want in my life? And it's evolved over the last, say, 13 years into 10 different sections in a spreadsheet that are the 10 areas that I feel are most important in our lives to be able to have a meaningful, significant life of purpose. And uh, if you don't mind, you mind if I share a few minutes on this? Yeah, I'd love to have you share it. And, you know, what's really exciting for me is hearing what you've come up with, because I want to take a few steps back there, because I don't want the listeners and those watching to miss this important point and gloss over the fact that real estate was your side hustle. Then it became your full-time gig. Like, this is what you did. And then you personally bought over 40 doors in single family rentals and these fourplexes and you replaced your income. So you became financially free, financially independent at a young age. And then from there, you syndicated over a thousand doors via your fund. And so when I think about just someone that has really manifested some incredible things in their life. Like I think about you, a guy who had a corporate gig, but it was different than a true corporate job, but you kind of rose in that company. You were then able to take over a big position in a new up and coming solar division. Then while you have this cash, you're investing in real estate while you're sitting on this money that is hopefully going to pay off. So you take some chips off the table when Goldman sells, And then you're just banking on Blackstone and then Blackstone sells and you've got extra capital. But at this point in time, you've already been doing real estate. It's a side hustle. You know how to do it. So you take this extra capital and you can really put it to work. And you got to a point where you have over 100 streams of income. And so I just want to make sure that people are hearing that you've been able to create this ideal lifestyle with a focus on your family. But the reason I think you've been able to do it is because of your intentionality and because of this lifestyle design that you have. Like you weren't looking at one area of your life. You were looking at all these areas of your life and finances were one component of it. And as you got better there, it strengthened the other areas. So please do share. I just wanted to color in some of that backstory. So our audience kind of has the full picture because what you did is incredible. Justin, thanks, man. I appreciate that compliment specifically on the doors we talked about there. Um, let me share that story real fast. And I share this humbly to be able to create value for your listener base. But so when I was 30 years old, I talked about financial freedom for five years, you know, and, and I wanted it, but I never committed to it. So when I was 30 years old, I sat down on a Sunday. I remember it clearly about four hours. And I said, okay, hey, 
I'm going to commit to financial freedom. And there's a big difference between being committed and wanting. Everybody wants a lot of things, right? But being committed is a whole different ballgame. So I said, okay, I want true financial freedom. What do I need to do? So I calculated step number one, what's my annual income? Sorry, what's my annual cost of living, right? And let's just say it's 200 grand as an example. Okay, so that's number one. Number two question, what's my current passive income? Right. Let's say I have a town hall or condo or some dividend stock or whatever it might be. Say it's fifty thousand dollars a year. Okay. Next question is, you know, what's the gap? How much more passive income do I need for financial freedom? In that scenario, it's one hundred fifty thousand dollars. The next question is, how many years am I willing to commit to achieving this financial freedom? And at that time, when I was thirty years old, it was ten years. And so then you divide that one hundred fifty thousand dollars needed by ten years. That's fifteen thousand dollars per year. Very digestible, very doable, right? And so I was okay. I need $15,000 per year of new passive income. How am I going to do that? And the answer for me was I needed 40 rental properties by age 40. Very clear, very systematic. I reverse engineered that whole process, made a blueprint and just committed to it. And every single Sunday, I'd go back and look at my, my commitment and measure my progress. And I think there's real power in writing things down real quick. I think that, uh, you know, just the simple act of writing down your goal, statistically, it's 42% more likely to hit your goal if it's written down. I don't know where that stat came from. I also heard that 67% of stats are made up on the spot. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, but 42% better. That sounds good. But anyway, so writing it down, what that does is it allows you to track your progress and see like incremental improvements and also holds you accountable to what you committed to. So anyway, I wrote that down, started tracking it. And uh, I was able to hit that goal when I was 36 years old, so a few years early. And then at that point, I'm like, you know what? You know what's what's my next goal here? And and I came up with the goal of 1,000 ownership and 1,000 doors by age 40. You know, I had some competency, I had some confidence, I had a team, I had my you know real estate strategy coach, I had my CPA, my team assembled. And so, you know, it was a hairy audacious goal, which in my opinion is what we should always have because if it doesn't stir emotion and gets you a little bit scared, but a little bit nervous, but a little bit excited at the same time, then it's not a big enough goal. That's my personal opinion on it. And so I committed to a thousand doors by age 40, blueprinted out, reverse engineered it. Um, I hit that, you know, last December when I was, when I was 40. And uh, I won't tell you my next goal yet until after I hit it. Cause, uh, but uh, anyway, it's been a fun process. My, my point there though, is just the intentionality of not just saying, Hey, I want this much capital, this much cash flow. There's gotta be so much more purpose and intentionality behind it. So you know, it's one thing to have that blueprint, but I think the key there or the second key is then tying purpose to your money, making money matter, right? The more that you put emotion and purpose and passion behind it, you know, how it's going to, you're going to give back. You're going to be able to create quality of life for your kids, have amazing weddings and, you know, for the kids and experiences and, you know, go snowboarding with your kids when you're 80 years old, whatever else, like those type of things are what really make money matter. And I think the more you can tie purpose to it, the easier the money comes to you and the better steward you'll be over that capital because you understand how it's going to fast track the outcomes that you really want in your life. Oh, it's powerful. I love it. So you're not looking for any accountability here on this new goal. Is that what I'm hearing? You don't want the whole world to know? Uh, all right. Um, well, okay. I'll, I'll say it, I guess. You talked me into it. So what I want is I want to be able to create real value for 10 million people. I want to help 1,000 people become millionaires. We just launched the All Red Family Foundation for my children. We'll talk about that maybe in a few minutes. And I want to have, with, with our fund, I want to have a billion dollars of assets under management 
by 2025. And so we're well on our way, um, launching Fund 2 again in the uh, first part of 2022. And uh, really excited about that trajectory. And, you know, and, and, and with that fund, we'll be able to have so many more partners coming into and be able to create value for those partners as well. So, you know, and then I have a lot of other, other you know, um, goals more with giving back and my family, my children, but uh, high level, there you go. Oh, I love it. I appreciate you sharing that. And by the way, I, I read a study at one point in time that tracked a bunch of Harvard graduates that wrote down their goals versus didn't. And it was just a very high percentage that achieved exactly what they had written down, which is cool. I also feel that one of the things that helps people achieve their goals in addition to writing it down is putting it out there in the world to publicly announce so that other people, A, know it and can hold you accountable, but B, can assist you in trying to get there because they now know. They know what's driving you. And for you, I think it's great because you don't need to make more money. You have other goals that are empowering other people along their journey and path with you. And I think that that is admirable. But I know your family is incredibly important to you. And I know that just being intentional with your four kids is really important. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts there. Yeah. So, you know, family is everything. At the end of the day, you know, my family is my top priority. No question about it. You know, it's a consistent, you know, for the people on this call that own businesses, you know, we all have this, this struggle between, you know, family and business. And it's a, it's a tug of war, you know, and I've, I've just realized a long time ago that my family's most important and I'm not going to, you know, it's a non-negotiable for me. And so it's been this ongoing personal development process of figuring out how to manage that. And I would just say this high level, I'd say I've come to the realization that the pursuit of a balanced life is usually going to be a mediocre life because most people want balance. They want normal, right? And so I feel like the price of greatness is imbalance. You've got to be willing to have some imbalance, but there needs to be seasonality to it, meaning that, you know, sometimes you go hard, you launch a new business, a new office, a new real estate fund, a new venture, and you've got to go all in on it. You know, you need, you need to show up and, you know, 10x your, 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 your energy and your input, but then you need to make up for that later on because you might be neglecting friendships and relationships, even time with your kids, you know, so make up with a nice vacation, make up for, you know, when you can. So it's, 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 it doesn't need to be every day is perfectly balanced or even every week, but on an annual basis or a monthly basis, it needs to be pretty well balanced. And that's kind of my own, my, my personal opinion on that topic. You know, with family, there's so many things, man. It's been so fun being a dad. It's just my favorite, my favorite thing. I absolutely love every, almost every part of it. I will say it's actually probably the hardest thing out of all my business ventures and everything that I've done. I feel like I'm a professional problem solver in business. When it comes to parenting, man, I'm still, I feel like a, a noob, like a rookie still sometimes. But what I am doing is, you know, we, we, uh, I'll share a few things real quick. One is we created the All Red Family Guiding Principles. And so we wrote down 10 principles and my kids all chimed in and, and, and gave some input. And so it's 10 things that we stand for and, and how we operate as a family. And it's so, it, it actually helps parenting so much because instead of, you know, if your son comes home and is like, hey, I want to quit, you know, like, hey, no, rule number or, you know, core value, guiding principle number four, All Reds don't quit, right? Number six is delayed gratification. You know, it's these core values that we've come up with. And it's been beautiful. It's been really fun to operate on that. Um, I also hired all four of my children's employees of my real estate company. And so I can pay them and, you know, teaches them. Well, one is a tax deduction, right? Um, up to 12000 and something per individual. 
um, both a deduction for the business and then they don't have to file a tax return because they're under that, that threshold, but also it teaches them work ethic. It teaches them the, the business of real estate and it's been, a, and, and finance, you know, financial management and how to, how to invest that capital. If you ask any of my kids, if one of them walked in right now and we said, Hey, what's the best type of income? They would say passive income. Like they, they know this stuff, man. And they'll have a goal of having a fourplex, you know, before college, so they can pay for their college through their fourplexes, passive income. You know, it's a, it's a race right now to who's going to get their first investment property. You know, my son's nine, his goal is by age 12, but anyway, it's super fun. Um, also, you know, one of my goals right now is to involve my kids in my business. So I'll bring them to an investor lunch or to business meetings so they can actually see how, how we do business. You know, I think that demonstrating is so much more powerful for, for kids than just teaching, than talking or, or speaking to them. So actually demonstrating how we do what we do. Also, just up leveling our family traditions. You know, so we have ice cream Sunday on Sundays. The kids come together. We have ice cream together. You know, every Tuesday night is sushi Tuesday with kids. Thursday nights is a is a daddy daughter or father son date. You know, one one kid per month. It's my favorite. It's awesome. You know, every evening from eight o'clock to nine p.m. So with my kids, and that is non negotiable. I mean, if, if I'm on a webinar or a Zoom call, they'll be in my office at eight oh one. Dad, we're doing this. No excuses, right? And I do I do think that with kids, you know, it's more about quality over quantity and just being present. You know, even if it's only for an hour a day, but if you're really present, you know, it, 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 I think it's enough and it means a lot for them. And then um, we just launched the Already Family Foundation. Really fun, you know, it's a foundation to give back. And I let each one of my children choose. They're all directors in the, on the board of directors and they all chose their own foundation. You know, one is uh, Operation Underground Railroad. Uh, another one is Wounded Warrior. You know, my dad has Parkinson's, so I chose Parkinson's uh, Foundation. But we just get to own that and we have, you know, our own cause that we're giving back to. And that's been a really, really awesome <laughs> journey on that one. And then, anyway, there's a lot, you know, a lot of other things that I could share with you, but for the sake of time, Maybe I'll kind of leave it at that. Um, you know, we had a chance to this year to uh, I had a chance to listen to all three of the top boxers in, in the history of boxing. So Floyd Mayweather, uh, Mike Tyson and uh, La Jolla. And uh, every one of them said the same thing at the end. Like, hey, you know, what I'm really focused on now is up leveling and developing my children so they can make a real impact in the world. Well, that was really cool coming from those three guys when they're like so successful. They already have a legacy in place. And now they're focused on their children. And I just want to do that now earlier in my career than later on down the road. That's awesome. I love hearing that story. I love your values. I love you want to bring people along for the ride, that you're training and educating your kids up in the world of business so that they can have an opportunity for financial freedom at a younger age than most people. I mean, most people never achieve it, period. But for them to kind of get a leg ahead, not because they're given anything physically, but because they're giving something for their mindset. You know, it, I just think that that's incredible. Where can our audience learn more about you? Where can we find you? Uh, I'd say I'm definitely most active on on social media, and Instagram is probably the best place. So you know, just shoot me a DM on, on Instagram. Our website is axiapartners.com. Axia is A X I A. Email is dave at axiapartners.com. And, you know, if any of your listeners wanted to get a copy of my lifestyle design, want to send me a, a DM, I'm happy to share that with them. You know, it's not a product. It's not something that, that I've ever sold or monetized. But I have shared it with a few friends and people who I care about. And 
And I've gotten really good reviews back on that. So, and we didn't really get a chance to explain what that was specifically, but just real high level on that one is it's, it's just these 10 areas of life that I feel like they're really important. And that's your mission statement for your life. It's your health, your time, your business, your finances, experiences, spiritual relationships, and memories. And those are 10 areas that I've reverse engineered the whole process. You know, as an example, chapter one, mission statement. So I have a paragraph about what I want in my life. And then I have my own personal 10 guiding principles, my 10 core values, my five non-negotiables, which is really powerful because a lot of people always say what they're going to do, but they don't say what they're not willing to do. And then I even wrote my own eulogy, which is kind of crazy. But if you really want it, you know, so your eulogy is what do you want people to say about your life, your legacy, your friends, family, neighbors, people you care about? How do you want to be remembered? What, what's your impact? And so, you know, if anybody's struggling on figuring out like, well, what is my purpose? Like what, what is my intentionality? I would say actually write down your eulogy. But when you do that, don't put it in your iPhone notes and share it with your wife and not tell her why you're sending that eulogy to her. <laughs> and that's my wife. And she's like, hey, what the hell is going on? What is, what's this all about? But, it, but really powerful exercise there. So anyway, love this lifestyle design. It's helped me a ton in my life. I feel like it, it helps me to operate with more confidence, be a lot more bold and decisive in how I approach life in general. So happy to share that with, with your listener base. Oh, I love it. I love that you're willing to make something available that's really just been for, you know, private use. So thank you very much for that, Dave. And I couldn't agree more. Like some of my keys to success are tracking, you know, something very similar, the wheel of life, where you have all these different facets, these components of life and, you know, really trying to be intentional with each of these areas that really kind of command and dictate the course of your life. And so I think that's really cool. I want to thank you for coming on the show. This has been incredible. You're an inspiration to so many. And it's just great to see what you've done because when others see the path that you have, that you've been able to go through, they can mimic that and do the same. And I want to wrap things up the way I do each week, which is this. What's the one step you can take this week today to move towards financial freedom and a life by design, and a life on your terms. Thanks, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review over on iTunes. Not only do I read every single one, but it also helps me understand what content matters the most to our audience. And if you can think of one or two people who could benefit from this episode, would you share it with them right now? Who knows? Maybe they'll buy you something nice when they make their first million. If you would like access to today's show notes, including links to all the resources mentioned, visit www.justindonald.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for listening. And I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lifestyle Investor.